Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Morning. You had a great breakdown on the news hour last night on the stresses and strains on the healthcare mm-hmm. system, including the rapid increase in the number of people who are enrolling in the medical services plan. So our Medicare plan here. Tell me about that. These numbers are quite something. Quite staggering. So for 10 years, the average number of people joining MSP, yeah. <coughs> medical service plan, on, on an annual basis, about 68,000 people. In the last two years, 337,000 people wow. have joined. This year, the second quarter, um, 53,000 people joined. If you multiply that by four, four quarters, that's 200,000 people on top of the 337,000 people. So the, our population is exploding yeah. in number as there's huge immigration levels. So we've talked about the impact of uh, population growth on housing. Yeah. It's, just, it's fueling the housing demand. Now we're, as I reported last night, start to take a look at the impact on the healthcare system. I also sure. reported last night on Monday night, we had a record number of people in hospital in BC, 10,298. That number will be surely broken sometime this week if it hasn't already been broken, perhaps last night. Uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix and Dr. Brian Henry have a news conference at 1230 today. I'm sure the minister is going to address this. Um, this huge population increase is going to put enormous pressure on the healthcare system, which is why they're scrambling to f- constantly hire nurses and doctors. And to put this in perspective, that's 337,000 people. Yeah. On top of our current population base, if you go by the, the the measuring stick of that, the average family doctor has twelve hundred patients on their roster. Well, you would need three hundred family doctors just to service those people alone. Just the surge. Just yeah. those people, yeah. not the five point two million. No, that were already in. Just the, the plan. new people. Just the new people. So wow, this is a a huge. I think it's a ticking time bomb where you've got a huge increase in population. And, and I started noticing this in conversation with Minister Dixon this summer when. Tracking the number of people in hospital, usually the numbers in summer go down. They weren't going down last summer. They were remaining steady at around 10,000. And now that's exactly the, the new norm. It seems to be around 10,000. We've got about 9,929 9, base beds and about 2,300 surge beds. What is that? What is a base bed so and what base, is a surge bed? A base bed, bed has a, a ward and an assigned nurse and, and just your regular hospital bed. Yeah. Surge beds come into play when there's a, not a lot of base beds available. Or none, and that's and I've been in a surge bed in a hospital. I remember in weekend warrior wrecking my knee and having to go in, and I was put in a closet. A closet? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can. we've done stories. People get put into atriums or something. A hallway. Hallways. You know, I've been yeah. in a hallway. Sure. So those are surge beds. So we, they took 900 of those surge beds and turned them into ba- uh, base beds in the summer in anticipation or a reflection of this huge spike in demand. So I don't think it's – and I've had these conversations with Dix and other members of the ministry, um, officials in the ministry – it's not an increase in illness necessarily, even though we're in the respiratory illness season right now, so there is an increase in, in people getting sick. But in the summer, it's not the respiratory illness season, and the bed numbers were remaining pretty constant, which I think is a reflection of this, this rapid rise in the population. It's population growth. Yeah, yeah, and the population growth is in three areas, uh, Kelowna and uh, central Okanagan, Metro Vancouver, and the capital region. Yeah. So we're getting you know, 150,000 people a year moving here. It's not like they're moving to Dawson Creek. Uh, they're moving to those three urban areas. That's where there's more housing, there's more jobs. But now I think the healthcare system 
uh, is going to start feeling the well. It is feeling the pressure of this huge population spike. When you take a look at that number of people, so ten thousand two hundred and ninety-eight patients occupying a hospital bed in BC on Monday night—a new record, as you just mentioned. So that's even higher than, let's say, during the height of COVID. Yep. Wow. Yep. No, it's um, now again. It's respiratory illness season. Yeah. So that's just the time of year when hospitals... So the last record was... They expect act- to see more yeah. people in the winter. So the old record was actually a year ago this week, mm. or last week. Yeah. It was in January, the first week of January was when the old record was set last year, right. which is a reflection of the... of the, This is the time when most people get the most sick. Right. And many older people get the flu and are hospitalized. And that was the case. That's always been the case. COVID bumped the numbers up but did not break the record. But now uh, we just broke the record again. I think it's a reflection of this huge increase in in, in uh, population. Yeah. If, if, a, if a percentage of the ho- of the population is getting sick, and that's a constant percentage, well, if you increase the pool of of people that percentage applies to, we're talking just a, a heck of a lot more people. There's going to be more sick getting, people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, more people. Quite, some of them are going to be quite sick. Fascinating. I, I I just wonder at what point are the provinces really going to start question? Well, they they're starting to question. The immigration uh, levels, and I just, I just hope there's no backlash against something like this because it's, uh, it's, it's putting pressure on housing. It's putting pressure on the healthcare system. It's even, you know, there's more people on the road driving. It's more yeah. congestion yeah. because our population has gone from five, five million people. Schools. To Look how crowded the schools are in Surrey. You can't build a school fast enough in Surrey. Yeah. Let's listen to Adrian Dick. So this is the B.C. health minister. He was asked about this record demand on the system yesterday. Here's what he said. We're building new cancer centers. We're building new hospitals. And we're adding health care workers because we have to meet that test. Um, and uh, the decisions about how many people come to B.C., that's more federal jurisdiction than ours. But we've got to meet the test of providing care for people, and that's what we're working to do. Yeah, they, so he's talked about this before. We'd have to hire something like 30,000 healthcare workers in yeah. the next five years. Where are they all going to come from? And those are doctors, nurses, tech, technologists, people who run MRI machines. This enormous amount of people are going to have to be hired just to, to even maintain the status quo in the healthcare system because of the surge in demand. And, there, and there's a fair number of retirements as the baby boomer generation ages and eases into retirement. A lot of people leaving the workforce, and those gaps have to be filled. So he talked about, he mentioned cancer. So cancer is something to keep an eye on over the next decade because of the number of people over the age of 70 is going to increase significantly because of that big bulge of the boomer generation. They're more prone to get cancer. Sure. And those cases are going to start to multiply significantly. So we had a cancer announcement yesterday, which was pretty significant, about self-tests for cervical cancer for women. Um, we're going to see more cancer-related announcements, I think, in the coming year. Yeah, and you heard Dix in that clip we just heard touch briefly at, at the end there, saying, well, it's it's the federal responsibility mm-hmm. about the number of people who come here. And that is sort of consistent with, we've heard comments from Ravi Kalon, for example, the housing minister, saying that, okay, well, we, we need immigrants, okay, we're not we're not against immigration, but what we're saying to the federal government, if you're going to allow these record number of immigrants into the country, how about helping us out here with the infrastructure that's yeah. required? Yeah, so the, 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 the provinces had to deal with the feds on health care funding, where the feds 
um, contribution or increase was nowhere near what the provinces were looking at. And I have to wonder if, as this population continues to increase, whether we're going to see another round of, of um, negotiations between the provinces and Ottawa for more health care funding. Okay, let's listen to a clip of David Eby here on another topic. So we've talked a lot about the B.C. Supreme Court decision that brought in that injunction on provincial restrictions on public drug use. So of course, we had about, about a year now that we've had decriminalization of drug possession. David Eby asked about that court decision overturning or suspending the restrictions his government brought in and where people can use these drugs in public. Here's Eby on that yesterday. The court's decision is very troubling to me. It's profoundly concerning that we can regulate alcohol use, that we can regulate tobacco use, uh, but apparently uh, the court has told us that we cannot regulate hard drug use in our province. Uh, we are studying the decision and making uh, uh, the Attorney General and her team will make a decision on how we're going to move forward here. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think EB's comments reflect where the public's at. Yeah. You know, I don't think many people agree with the judge's reasoning on oh. this, that you can regulate alcohol and tobacco, but you can't regulate hard drugs. It just doesn't seem to fit the, the, the sniff test for, for the public. But it, it's also interesting to see David EB again criticize the judge. You don't normally see politicians criticize the judiciary. and We've now, seen this happen several yeah, times now. Yeah, and I think it's a reflection of a frustration I think governments everywhere have had with the judiciary when it comes to issues like uh, bail for violent, yeah. repeat violent offenders, um, where, again, the public, the judge's decision does not match what the public is looking for, and it certainly doesn't match what the public is looking for in this case. Okay, real quickly, we talked earlier on the show today, Keith, about poor job performance numbers for the EB government. Mm-hmm. So the EB government scoring very poorly on this Angus Reid poll, especially when it comes to health care, cost of living and inflation, and housing affordability. So they get these really low performance scores from the public, yet they continue to lead in the polls. Now listen to Kevin Falcon here, leader of BC United, reacting to these poll numbers. The collapse in in, in the public's view of how government is managing these problems is quite startling. And what that tells me is there is a public out there that is very open to the time for a change argument. Yeah, he hopes they're open for a time, time for a change argument. It's not a sudden collapse. This has been the findings from Angus Street and other pollsters for a couple of years now. In fact, this predates the last election. NDP went in the last election, 2020, with very low performance numbers, uh, approval ratings on the critical issues facing voters, and yet they won a massive majority. And the polls now again um, say the same thing. I mean, it is fascinating, to, and we've talked about this before for a couple of years now. The NDP performance has been given a decidedly big thumbs down on the issues deemed the most important: affordability, housing, um, healthcare, and, and healthcare. Uh, particularly housing and affordability. Yeah. We're talking about 80% disapproval. Yes, that's the, those are the highest disapproval yeah. ratings. Healthcare is usually around 60% disapproval. Um, that's an issue that's a little, I think the NDP has a little more support. That, is that how's it, disapproval on healthcare in this poll is 70%. That's so up a little bit going up. I think that's up a little bit from Angus Reid's, I think it was 64% last time. Yeah. So that's gone up a bit, which is reflective again of some of the. Stories we've been seeing in the maybe that system. maybe this means the public is okay. They're not happy with the performance of the government, but they don't have any confidence in the other parties to do any better. I think that's been the case for a few years now. It's yeah. it's also a commentary on the opposition that they're willing to put their concerns aside over the critical issues and still vote for them. Yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely fascinating. I don't think I I can recall a similar situation ever being in BC or even federally where the the ruling party gets thumbs down on the critical issues, yet still gets thumbs up when it comes to casting a ballot.
Baldry's Beat. We go right to your phone calls here. Daniel in Sydney. Hi, Daniel. Go ahead. Good morning. Yeah, I have thoughts on uh, why the NDP seems to be remaining high on the polls yet in each individual categories that you guys cite today. They're a little bit low. I think you'll find that that's the case across the country, with the exception in B.C. that the NDP is remaining high. I think the reason for that is because they're seen to be trying to do something. You know, I have a lot of family in Alberta. And I don't know if you are aware that there was a in Red Deer, there's a, a hospital where they were literally putting up uh, uh, tarps and, and duct tape to extend an emergency unit in Red Deer. And so, you know, like there's a lot of bad feelings across the country on all these categories. But I think the NDP has got to get some credit for actually trying to do some bold things rather than just sit pat with the status quo that got us into all these problems in the first place, whether it be the housing file, health care homelessness at least they're trying to do something and not just trying to do the same old thing mm. over and over again great points well the, the housing is a good example where the housing crisis has not been solved but the introduction of those bills gave the impression i think to people like oh well, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening sure. in housing yeah we don't know if it's going to work yeah. building housing near transit lines Okay, sounds good. Changing the zoning, uh, getting rid of, of uh, short-term rentals. Uh, this combination of ac- these action-packed month of November, I think, gave the impression to people that something is happening yeah. on housing. We don't know if it's going to work, but I think the average person is saying, well, at least something's being tried. Yeah. Dean in Kelowna. Hi, Dean. Go ahead. Yeah. I'd just like to say uh, all this uh, lands in uh, one person's feet. Uh, Mr. Sox himself, Justin Trudeau. He has allowed a runaway immigration policy that has now affected housing, health care, everything. And all the premiers, I don't know why they haven't got together and started to speak out, because he controls that file, immigration. And uh, they're all scared, too, because if you say something against immigration, you're a racist or you're anti-immigrant. Well, well, so, I, well there, so that we, may be one factor, but I think the other factor is if you listen carefully to the federal immigration minister, they'll say, well, what we need, we need workers mm-hmm. in the country. And the other thing that the feds are concerned about are the entitlement programs that, for example, old age security, the Canada Pension Plan, our health care system, they need more people working and paying taxes to sustain mm-hmm. these programs. Yep. Right? It's a it's a it's a bit of a, a, a riddle. It's a balancing act. Yeah. You know, we do need I mentioned before we need thirty thousand healthcare workers. They're yeah. not all gonna come from Canadian universities. There's gonna have to and we're we're increasing the number of foreign trained nurses. Yeah. Uh, because we need them. So you need these foreign trained workers to replace retirees and disappearing um, people from the workforce in Canada. But it is a, it's this balancing act, like, okay, bring all these people in to fill these job openings, Yeah, but they bring with them housing needs, health care needs, uh, infra- various infrastructure needs, sure. and that puts pressure on the provinces. So uh, this is going to be an ongoing dialogue between the premiers and the, and the PMO, uh, and it won't change if there's a change in government in Ottawa. Dean and Kelowna. All right, talk to Dean. Rob and Chilliwack. Rob, 30 seconds. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, guys. Hey, just a remi- quick reminder, Keith, uh, that massive majority the NDP received was during Mr. Horgan's pandemic election when people were scared out of their wits to come out and vote. So just we'll keep that in mind. We'll see. People are going to come out and vote this time around. Having said that, this housing file, what they're doing, they have to let the market run itself. The NDP getting into real estate is absurd. So what happens? My neighbor wants to tear down his house on the corner lot there and put up a fourplex. What happens to the tenant in the basement suite? Now they're ousted. 
Like, Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Out of time. Ten seconds. Yeah, like I say, the housing file is uh, undergone fundamental transformation, and no one knows how it's going to play out. Uh, in terms of letting the market decide, we, we sort of let the market go for a decade and look what happens. So I think people were looking for intervention, but whether it's going to work or not, I think the jury's out.